Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How many of you love Jesus today? Love that you guys get the right answer to that question week after week. I'm encouraged by that. Love that we are in a series that is titled Eyes on Eternity. Today matters forever. And uh, today we're going to go on our third part of the series. If you've not yet heard the first two or watched the first two, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, this past week, we were in our Connect group, and we get to have this uh, in tandem experience between what happens on Sunday and what we get to discuss in, uh, in Connect groups. And uh, Analia, my wife, was talking about how when she grew up, being the daughter of a, of a pastor and church planner, her mother would always talk about the coming of Christ, second coming of Christ, and, uh, and was always talking about the fact that Jesus is returning soon. We got to live in, in a way that, that reflects that we have that hope and that we have that anticipation. And uh, it reminded me of some of the different uh, things that I thought when I was growing up as well. Remember that I, I used to be um, kind of scared about the rapture. I don't know if any of you guys uh, can identify with that. So the rapture being that moment when Jesus comes and returns and, and uh, those who are believers are caught up with him in the air, meet with him and go into eternity. And I always had this, this is before, uh, before Tim LaHaye, Kirk Cameron, or even Nicolas Cage. This is uh, pre-Left Behind series, movies, books. I always had this fear of being left behind. And so anytime I was at home and, I, and, and all of a sudden I found myself alone, I was like, did the rapture happen and did I miss it? Because I knew my folks would definitely be included in that roster. My sister, sometimes I was like, yeah, she's going to make it. Sometimes I was definitely not going to make it. Um, but when, and this is before cell phones, before, you know, you had to find my app and everything. But you could actually get raptured without your phone, too. So technically that, that wouldn't really help it that much. But I had this, this uh, um, wrong idea, concept, not biblical, that whatever you were doing at the instant of the rapture would determine your destiny. And so if I was in the middle of cussing someone out right when the rapture happened, I'd be like, ah, missed heaven and uh, get, you know, condemned to the lake of fire. And, uh, and you know, if I was, if I was uh, cheating on a test I, right when the rapture happened, then, you know, and so I, but this concept made me sin really fast. So I would, if I was going to do something wrong, I had to do it quick before the rapture happened, right? So just wrong thinking. And uh, with time, reading scripture, learning, you know, from teachers and pastors, I understood that belief is what determines our destination. So it's Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to deserve salvation. I'm never going to deserve eternity in my own actions and merit. But belief also plays out in behavior. And so the way I believe needs to impact the way I live. And uh, if there's an inconsistency there, if I'm all about the theory, but I don't practice it, that's, that's messed up. James would say, your faith without works is dead. And so there needs to be an understanding that belief, yes, belief is what gives us that certainty that Jesus paid the price and that we will be included in his plans for eternity. We will make it to heaven. But there is something that happens even beyond that. It's not about just crawling over that finish line and making it. It's understanding that heaven is, it's actually going to be eternity. It's going to be a long time. And uh, that might not seem, I mean, it just kind of goes beyond our understanding right now, but 
Eternity is a big part of the story of God's plan. It's a big part of all of our stories. And uh, as we, you know, we were talking about growing up with that mindset, eyes on eternity and the return of Christ and, and uh, learning about what scripture says about the end times. Uh, you know, the, the eternity and the end times, the return of Christ, it was such a big part of how the early church functioned, the way they related to each other. In fact, it was part of the way they greeted each other. When they would say, hey, you got 30 seconds to greet your neighbor, Tom, they would say, they would turn to the neighbor and they'd say, the Lord is returning. And then they look at them real firm and say, are you ready? You know, are you, are you living that way? And uh, so there was a word that they use often was Maranatha, the Lord returns soon. So why don't you go ahead and turn to your neighbor and look at them real straight in the eyes and say, Maranatha. Maranatha, Mara, do a little, a little, you know, soul scan with your eyes there. And it, it was, you know, it's sobering, but it's also more encouraging than it is uh, fear inflicting for us. It's, it's a fact that, that God tells us that this is not the end of our story. You know, the early church, they were going through persecutions. They had uh, worship in, in catacombs, underground they, they went through a lot of stuff. They did not have the luxuries and the comfort that we have even today. And, uh, and they had to be reminded that their moment was not the end of the story. It was not the whole of the story. It was just a very small segment in the totality of what God was going to do. Today, we're going to focus on one moment, an event that Scripture tells us about in eternity, in this process of God unfolding his plan for us, and it's called the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ. Now, I want to just real quick distinguish. If you read through Revelation, you're going to see there's a great white throne moment. That's like the final judgment, final sentencing, depending on what you believed, what I believed, how we've lived our life. Have we embraced Christ as our Lord and Savior? Have we rejected him? That'll determine our destination, final destination for eternity. Will it be heaven with God or will it be an eternity away from him, choosing to turn our back to him and opting into eternal torment and suffering in hell, which is life away from God. And then that's the final judgment, which is that great white throne. And then there's the Bema seats, which we're talking about today. And uh, this is uh, a reward judgment for believers. So it's for you and for me. And it is not focused on, did we make it into heaven or not? It's like, hey, you're good. You made it to heaven. But the way you lived your life while on earth matters. And it will, it, it will be weighed. And it'll be rewarded how you use your opportunities, how you lived out each day, your intentionality, the quality of how your behavior reflected your belief will be weighed, and it'll be rewarded. That's what we're talking about today. Bema seats, this was something common in the Roman Empire. They, they had, similar to what I'm standing on right now, they had elevated platforms with stairs where they would have, anytime there was like a, like a, a gathering of citizens and they were going to do make a declaration or they were going to celebrate someone publicly, whoever was in leadership, the proconsul or, or whoever was in leadership in Corinth or in Rome, any of the cities that were part of the empire, they would stand up on this platform and they would make announcements and they would, and they would uh, you know, uh, make uh, rewards or remarks about, you know, who, who was deserving of merit or if they were going to, you know, give someone uh, props. That, that's where it would happen. The Bema seat 
What it did was it, it, it stood, it helped that individual in leadership stand above the rest to be able to make this pronunciation. What we learn through scripture is that Jesus is going to be the one who is going to evaluate us and he is going to weigh the way we do life, our, our daily behavior, and he's going to be the one to give us our reward. How many of you guys are happy that it's Jesus that is evaluating us? Yes, and not your neighbor. You know when you do like self-assessments? Have you ever done a, like a self-assessment or self-evaluation? Some of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, you're all like, oh, A plus on everything. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. You don't even read a question. You're just scoring yourself with, you're like an eternal optimist. And uh, you're great at evaluating yourself. You're not so kind with others, yes? But when it comes to self-evaluation, some of you, you're really hard on yourselves. How many of you would say that? Yeah, that's me. I'm like always... Ah, barely scraping by D minus. I could do better. If you're a perfectionist, you're always like, ah, but I miss this. I miss that. Thankfully, it is Jesus that is the one who judges us. It's not our mood at that moment. It's not our intentions. It's not someone else. It's Jesus who is righteous. He is fair. He is loving. He is kind. And he is objective. So it's not going to be this thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, what, what score would you give yourself in this? No. He knows everything, he cares, and he will reward us for the way we do life. So it's not only salvation, it's once you are saved, how will you live? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all stand before Christ and be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. For perspective, I want to ask uh, my friend Stefan to bring me an illustration that Pastor Nate shared. Thank you so much. Here is a rope. And uh, this represents eternity. And first service, this ended up being really tangled up. So maybe eternity is a series of knots, and it's not a straight line. That was a lot better than first service. So this, like Pastor Nate said, this little spot right here is our earthly life in the bigger scheme of the duration of eternity. This is from the moment we're born to the moment we die. It's how we live, how we go through our schooling, how we work, how we relate to others. This, this little period here, this is temporary, but it's important because it is part of the bigger picture of our story, right? And uh, Pastor Nate, Pastor Jody did an amazing job at helping to do some of the teaching if we have to single out kind of six key events in our existence, we're going to have this on the screen. There's six different moments that describe our journey and our existence in eternity. There's life, okay, so that's, you know, whatever, how old are you going to be? 95, 105, 120, you know, 77 is the average that we talked about before. Life and death, that's the beginning, the end of this little tape strip on this rope. Then comes destination. So whatever you believe will determine which way you're routed, heaven or hell. But then there's a resurrection because God is interested in saving body, spirit, and soul. He doesn't want us to be, uh, you know, abstract souls floating around. In fact, you get to keep your body in eternity. Some of you are like, yes. Others are like, oh. <laughs> Lord. Can we do something about the hair in eternity? God, these love handles, let them be for the earth and not for eternity. You know, and 
So there, but you know, it's in essence what God is saying. This is not just a disposable wrapping for your soul. This is part of God's His plan. He wants to save everything, even the physical is is impacted by salvation. That's what resurrection is. After resurrection, we have the moment of repayment. And that's the rewarding of how we did life. And then that's when we step into the rest of eternity. So today we're going to focus on the fifth uh, point within that series. You know, five is that repayment, the Bema seats, the moment when Christ says, let's approach this platform and I want to weigh and evaluate the way you did life, and I want to reward you for what you have done. It says, uh, in a, you, know, I, I, you know, there's belief determines destination, behavior determines rewards. A couple just things that I want to clarify as we're jumping into this. The life that we live after salvation, it matters. It matters to God. It needs to matter to us. Christ is a fair and just judge. We just covered that as well. Our behavior the way we live out our actions, our reactions, our interactions, our relationships, all of that is important in our journey and it has an impact in eternity. And we're all responsible for our own behavior. This is really important. The sooner we learn ownership, the better we will live. So easy to get distracted with, well, what about him? What about her? And, you know, and we want to all of a sudden become critics of the people that are running the race alongside us. But God is saying, you know what? You need to learn how to own your own actions, your own decisions, and we will all give an account to the Lord. Amen? And then the way we live will be rewarded. In this life, we'll get a sample of God's rewards, but in eternity, it's going to be the actual rewards that he's promised and prepared. The, the words that Scripture uses for reward in, in uh, Greek throughout the New Testament, miss those in Apodidomai are wages and repayment. Wages and repayment. So the focus on the quality of our actions will be weighed, evaluated, and rewarded. Today's message, if we have to title it something, call it payday. Okay? Paydays are fun. If you get that automatic deposit, if you've already signed up for it, or you get your physical check, but you get the reward for your efforts and in the same way, when we stand before Christ, there will be a payday, okay? Um, as I was remembering years ago, Pastor Dwight Dennis was the lead pastor right before uh, Pastor Nate uh, Roosh stepped into that role. And uh, I was in my mid-20s when I was uh, serving on staff here, and he gave us all a book on retirement, and a book by Dave Ramsey. And I love uh, Financial Peace University. I love that we're doing that at all of our locations. We're learning stewardship. Let me just confess, I, I said, cool, free book. And I kind of skimmed through it, and I'm like, that's interesting. But I'm so far removed from retirement, I'll pull this out when I'm 64 years old. <laughs> and how many know that's probably not the best way to prepare for retirement, right? There's a, there's a season of life where you're like, you don't, you're like shrugging it off. You don't even really care because it's so far removed. It feels like it's not even relevant to you. But the closer you get to that reality, the more you're like, ah, I wish I had done this sooner. I wish I had learned about compound interest and investments. And let me just tell you that now I'm a lot more immersed in that. Not retiring anytime soon. I'll let you know when I am. But, uh, but I have installed a compound interest calculator on each of my kids' phones, and we've done talks on, hey, if you start setting aside $100 a month 
from this time, when you're 16, you're 18, and you do that, you develop that habit, guess what's going to happen? It's going to have this huge return. What you do today is going to have a huge impact in the future. And the biggest thing that they have on their side is time. The biggest thing you and I have on our side is the time of this earthly life. We get to make choices and decisions. I want to encourage you, don't just put it off and say, well, when I'm on my deathbed, then I'll think about how my behavior is going to match my belief. No, start today. Today matters to God. It needs to matter to each and every one of us. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, and this is talking about the Bema seat, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work is, has any value. If the work survives, it's tested that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Have you ever bought a huge bag of spinach <laughs> at like Sam's or Costco? You know where it's like, not, not just like your local grocery, like the big one, like, the, you know, you're like, and you're like, I'm going to boil this. I'm going to eat this all month. And then it's like hardly an appetizer by the time you finish boiling it. It just like shrinks. I don't know where that spinach goes. It's still a ministry. If, if we do life without intentionality, all of the effort and every, all the bulk of what seems so great and so meaningful, when it's tested by God's values, it might shrink down like spinach that's just been boiled, Right? Let me give you another example. You know, as we have eyes on eternity, our daily actions will be impacted. Eyes on eternity impact our daily actions. Like it says here in 1 Corinthians 3, what we just read, the way we act, the way we respond, the way we take advantage of the opportunities in life, it will be tested, it will be weighed. And uh, in, in light of eternity, we will be rewarded. Some of us are going to, we're going to see if we leverage everything is focused on the immediate, on the temporary, on, on this life, then we already got the reward out of the experience that we have. But if we have an eternal mindset, we're going to leverage the temporary in favor of the eternal, and we will have a greater reward in eternity. Let me just say, because sometimes it's hard to think through eternity outside of salvation sometimes. Um, eternity is a place where we will have meaningfulness and purpose. If you study what it says in Scripture about heaven, we're not going to just be floating around in, in hammocks made out of cloud, playing a harp or something. We're going to be engaged in, in God's purposes and his work. Think of it this way. Adam, in Eden, before the fall, he had assignments. He had meaningful things that he was doing. He was lording over that garden. He was tending to it. He was active, engaging in God's purposes. This is before the fall. In a sense, heaven is a restoration of that, except we're all going to be wearing clothes in, in eternity. But we will be engaged in meaningful work. We'll be engaged in meaningful activities with God. We get to reign with him, is what it says in Scripture. And a lot of what we do today will determine how we live the rest of eternity. Does that make sense? So as we are, we're looking at this, we're, we're wrestling with this, our temporary low-quality actions 
could be like that big bag of spinach that just gets boiled down to nothing. Everything we do every day is building something, okay? Now, one of the things I discovered uh, upon moving here to Minnesota is that you just got to embrace winter. You can't, you know, you can't. Don't resist it. It's going to come inevitably. And uh, you just got to find a way to, you know, to, to at least have a cordial relationship with winter, right? And uh, get out, build a snowman, <laughs> make a snow fort. And uh, I was thinking about this. We got some pictures of kids making snow forts there. And uh, this is, I mean, one of the, one of the joys of, of Minnesota, except not today. Don't do it today. It's a pretty intense wind chill out. But that is cute, but it's really bad architecture. <laughs> I'm just going to point that out. It's not going to last long, right? None of those forts are going to last long because as soon as the season is over, they're going to melt. There will be no trace of those forts, right? They're fun, but they're not sturdy. They're not, they're not eternal. They're temporary. We had a, a, an incredible trip of our lifetime. We got to visit Rome this past uh, December with our family, and that's us at the Coliseum. That's my daughter, Zoe. That's my wife, Analia. That's my son, Santiago. There's me uh, in the front, and then there's Miss Photobomb in the back. <laughs> she kept on like sneaking into all of our pictures. She's like, she's like part of our trip, you know? And uh, we're at the Coliseum here, and we managed to sneak away from her for a minute. It's like, let's do it now. And uh, Coliseum is fascinating because it's a structure that was built in 80 AD. That's almost 2,000 years ago. It's gone through all kinds of weather, wars, different governments. It's had different uses, it, you know. It, it, but it's an incredible structure that has been long-lasting. Uh, this and this is even temporary. But if you think of it in the framework of, you know, are we building a snow fort or are we building a coliseum with the quality of our actions and our decisions each day? Every day we're building something. And, and God is calling us. He's challenging us to be intentional about eternity. Eyes on eternity will impact today's perspective. So it'll impact today's actions and it will impact today's perspective. It'll affect the way we understand suffering. If we're so focused on comfort and convenience and escaping sacrifice, we're going to live life bubble-wrapped and far from God's purposes. But if we understand that suffering is not the end of the story, that this is, not, is nothing compared to the promises and the hope that we have ahead of us, it'll give us a different mindset. It'll give us a different perspective to be able to endure, to be able to get through things. Paul says in Romans 8, 18, yet what I suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Even in suffering, he had eyes on eternity. He was able to glimpse and, and have that clear in his mind, and it gave him perspective to be able to endure. Eternity reframes the way we understand temporary success, because suffering is hard. Temporary success can be dangerous too. If we're successful in in this side of eternity, during this very short run uh, of our life, we can get tangled up in, in, uh, in, in, in obsessions and, and desires and things that will end up making us lose our focus. I love what it says about Moses in Hebrews eleven twenty six. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. He was like one of the most powerful men 
in one of the most powerful empires, but he understood that that was temporary, short-lived, and he wanted to uh, look ahead to his great reward. So rather than owning the treasures of Egypt, he was looking ahead to his great reward. He had the perspective of eternity in mind. It's so easy to focus on the moment, lose sight of the bigger picture, but there's more to life than this. Can you say that with me? There's more to life than this. So this, is, this life is almost like a warm-up for eternity. It's like a practice round for what we will experience in eternity. Eyes on eternity impact our values, so our actions, our perspective, and our values. What is valuable to us? If we center our life on the eternal and not on the temporary, we learn to distinguish that, to evaluate it, and to leverage our attention, our strength, our efforts, even our resources. We center our life on God's values, not on ourselves. And this is so countercultural for the context that we live in. We live in a self-serving world. And to follow Christ mean to, means to be self-denying in favor of God's bigger picture and his purposes. It impacts the way we manage our time. It impacts the way we manage our treasure, our resources. It impacts the way we manage our God-given talents. It impacts everything. How we view our opportunities each and every day. Love the... The parable that Jesus taught in uh, Luke 12, verse 15 says, And he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. That's a great phrase to underline, by the way. Life is more than your net worth, right? Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for the years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He did a lot of self-talk, is what I'm gathering from this parable. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? All that wood, hay, and stubble, wood, hay, and straw, it's just gone. In the, in, the, in the weighing and testing of eternity, what's going to outlast? It's gone. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So eyes on eternity will impact our values. It will impact the way we understand and see our resources. It's one of the reasons that uh, as a family, Analia and I have decided that, yes, we are saving for retirement. I have reread that book. Uh, yes, we want to leverage what God has entrusted to us. So I mean, you hear me talk about this every week. We practice that principle of dedicating the whole. We say, God, it all comes from you anyway. So I'm, we want to acknowledge you. We want your blessing on it. And we practice faithfulness and tithe. And then we say, God, help us to grow. So each year we are giving more in generosity than the previous year. We don't, we don't want to just settle. We want to continue to grow because we know we can't take anything to heaven with us. We can't. We're going to go from this world the way we came. The only thing we can take with us to heaven is souls. It's people. That's the only thing we can take with us to heaven. And so let's leverage our life where we can use the temporary resources we have to be able to make an eternal impact, change lives, hope 
salvation. That's, that's, we want to live on mission this way. Finally, eternity, eyes on eternity, impacts our relationships. Did you know that Jesus cares about how we treat each other? He does. In fact, he said the greatest commandment is love your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul. And then he said the second commandment, it's not too far behind. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he is aware. He's mindful. Matthew 25. We're not going to read it, but I want to reference it. Jesus says, I, I want, you know, you clothed me when I was naked. You fed me when I was hungry. You gave me to drink when I was thirsty. You visited me when I was in prison. You helped me when I was sick. And the followers said, well, when did we do all these things? He said, because you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Jesus notices how we treat each other, and he will reward us according to how we interact and how we treat each other. It says in Romans 14, 7, uh, speaking of the judgment seat of Christ, look at this principle. It's, it, it directly relates to how we are interacting with others. Paul says, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor God, and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord both of the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So he, he brings that into the picture, into focus, and that perspective, it's going to impact how we relate to each other. Okay. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. So we live mindful of the needs of those who are around us. We live without falling in the trap of judging, condemning. I don't need to be the judge. Jesus already is. I need to own my own actions, not focus on what my neighbor is doing. And I need to not belittle or look down on the person next to me because they do life different. And I need to focus on not being a stumbling block or being someone that would hinder the walk that someone else is having as they're pursuing Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians 10, I'm adding 11 now. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Because we have eyes on eternity, it impacts our relationship within the family of faith, but it impacts the way we relate to those who are not yet part of the family of faith. We work hard to leverage every opportunity to share the hope the love, the joy, the purpose that we have found in the person of Jesus. And it impacts our, our understanding of, hey, you know, God's brought people into our life, into the scope of our relationship so that we can be light and salt to them, so that we can be encouragers, so that we can champion faith for them, not to condemn them, not to judge them, not to look down on them, but to lift them up so that they can meet the person of Christ. Amen. So it, it has an impact on everything. And then we encourage believers. The first text that we read is that, that whole part of Hebrews where it says, you know, in light of the fact that Christ is coming back, let's not forsake uh, gathering. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Especially now, because we know that Christ has given us a very specific opportunity to make the most of this segment of our existence. Let's be encouragers of each other. Let's be challengers to do better, to grow, to make an impact, to, to focus on what's eternal, to not have a single wasted day. Every day has purpose. Every day has opportunity. Let's live intentionally. Let's live in such a way where we can look back and not have regrets. Yes, we will make mistakes. And I just want to clarify that our behavior is an outflow of our belief. And if we stumble, we get up and we come back to God for forgiveness and we stay the course, we keep on going. And if we're going through a season of disappointments or suffering or, or frustration, we keep in mind the bigger picture. And we say, you know what? This is not the end of the story. And how I respond to this moment matters, matters to Jesus. And it will have an impact. I may not see a reward today immediately, but I know that God is fair. He is just, and he will reward me on that day. This is why Paul was able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give on the day of his return. And this prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Eyes on Eternity is about saying, God, we believe you, we trust you, and we want to live in such a way that it reflects that. The last text I want to read, because this is throughout all of Scripture, and uh, I just want, I want to encourage you, lean in as you're meeting in your groups this week, and just lean into this and say, how can I, how can I live in such a way that it, that it not only pleases God, but it lines up with his values, my actions, my perspective, my uh, values, my relationships. Everything is seen through the eyes of eternity. First Peter 1.13 says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ Jesus is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into the old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as, it says in LT, it's got the little quotation marks, temporary residents. We are temporary residents on this world. There is more to life than this. And what we do with this segment matters. It has a huge impact on eternity. Would you stand with me as we pray and we respond to the word today and just thank God for his promises? I want to I encourage you as this day is drawing near. 
I don't want you to today feel like, like you've messed it all up. Like you've, you've missed your opportunity. It's about what we do from this moment on. Amen. If you feel like you've, you've, uh, like, like you've just, your actions and your decisions have just repelled God. I want you to be aware of the fact that you can't hide from God's love. He is relentless in the way he loves us. And uh, even today, he would open the heavens and say, hey, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm content with you. It's not about your performance. It's about your relationship with him. And as we walk in relationship with him, let's persevere. Let's not get tired. Let's not lose focus. Let's always keep eternity in mind, in sight, and know that God cares, that he sees, that he rewards, and that we have incredible promises ahead of us. Can you pray with me? Father, today we just thank you so much for the promise that you can open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, the promise that you will fulfill you, your will and your, uh, your plan in each and every one of our lives. God, I ask that today, Lord, you would give us eyes for eternity. Help us to see, God, that you are at work and God, that there is more to life than what we see today. Help us, God, to have vision and hope, Lord, for, uh, for life and eternity with you. And God, I ask that that would impact our decisions, our actions, our relationships, our reactions, God, our, our frustrations, God, our prayers, our, our attitudes. Everything would be impacted by your purposes and your plan. We thank you, God, for the hope that you've instilled to us. We thank you for the encouragement that we find in the fact that you are God, that you are King. And Lord, today we worship you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.